Chapter Five of Freaks on the Fells Three Months Rustication Story One by R. M. Ballantyne. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Diana Schmidt. Chapter Five Some Account of a Great Fishing Expedition there was an old barometer of the banjo type in the parlor of the white house which whatever might have been its character for veracity in former days had now become such an inveterate story-teller that it was pretty safe to accept as true exactly the reverse of what it indicated one evening mr sudbury kept tapping that antique and musical-looking instrument with a view to get it to speak out its mind freely the worthy man's efforts were not in vain for the instrument whether out of spite or not we cannot say indicated plainly much rain now it must be known that mr sudbury knew as much about trout and salmon fishing as that celebrated though solitary individual the man in the moon believing that bright dry sunny weather was favorable to this sport his heart failed him when the barometer became so prophetically depressed and he moved about the parlor with quick uneasy steps to the distress of his good wife whose work-box he twice swept off the table with his coat-tails and to the dismay of george whose tackle being spread out for examination was to a large extent caught up and hopelessly affixed to the same unruly tails supper and repose finally quieted mr sudbury's anxious temperament and when he awoke on the following morning the sun was shining in unclouded splendor through his window awaking with a start he bounced out of bed and opening his window shouted with delight that it was a glorious fishing day the shout was addressed to the world at large but it was responded to only by hobbs yes sir it is a exquisite day said that worthy what a day for the tame sir it does my art good sir to think of that there river hobbs who was standing below his master's window with his coat off and his hands in his waistcoat pockets meant this as a happy and delicate allusion to things and times of the past ah hobbs said mr sudbury you don't know what fishing in the highlands is yet but you shall see are the rods ready yes sir and the baskets and books yes sir and ah i forgot the flasks and sandwiches are they ready and the worms yes sir miss lucy's a makin of the sandwiches in the kitchen at this moment and mcgallister's a diggin of the worms mr sudbury shut his window and george hearing the noise leaped out of bed with the violence that is peculiar to vigorous youth fred yawned what a magnificent day said george rubbing his hands and slapping himself preparatory to ablutions i will shoot will you uh, oh yawned fred i shall sketch i mean to begin with the old woman's hut What? do you mean to have your nose plucked off and your eyes torn out at the beginning of our holiday not if i can help it george but i mean to run the risk i mean to cultivate that old woman 
hello hi shouted their father from below while he tapped at the window with the end of a fishing rod look alive there boys else we'll have breakfast without you ay ay father fred was up in a moment about two hours later father and sons sallied out for a day's sport george with a fowling piece fred with a sketch-book and mr sudbury with a fishing-rod the varnish and brass-work on which being perfectly new glistened in the sun we part here father said george as they reached a rude bridge that spanned the river about a half-mile distant from the white house i mean to clamber up the sides of the ben and explore the gorges they say that ptarmigan and mountain hares are to be found there the youth's eye sparkled with enthusiasm for having been born and bred in the heart of london the idea of roaming alone among the wild rocky glens up among the hills far from the abodes of men made him fancy himself a little short of a second crusoe he was also elated at the thought of firing at real wild birds and animals his experiences with the gun having hitherto been confined to the unromantic practice of a shooting gallery in regent street success to you george cried mr sudbury waving his hand to his son as the latter was about to enter a ravine the same to you father cried george as he waved his cap in return and disappeared five minutes walk brought them to the hut of the poor old woman whose name they had learned was moggy this then is my goal said fred smiling i hope to scratch in the outline of the interior before you catch your first trout take care the old woman doesn't scratch out your eyes fred said father laughing dinner at five sharp remember fred entered the hovel and mr sudbury walking briskly along the road for a quarter of a mile diverged into a footpath which conducted him to the banks of the river and to the margin of a magnificent pool where he hoped to catch his first trout and now at last had arrived that hour to which mr sudbury had long looked forward with the most ardent anticipation to stand alone on a lovely summer's day rod in hand on the banks of a highland stream had been the ambition of the worthy merchant ever since he was a boy fate had decreed that this ambition should not be gratified until his head was bald but he did not rejoice the less on this account his limbs were stout and still active and his enthusiasm was as strong as it was in boyhood no one knew the powerful spirit of angling which dwelt in mr sudbury's breast his wife did not his sons did not he was not fully aware of it himself until opportunity revealed it in the most surprising manner he had indeed known a little of the angler's feelings in the days of his youth but he had a soul above punts and chairs and floats and such trifles although like all great men he did not despise these little things many a day he had sat on old father thames staring with eager expectation at a gaudy float as if all his earthly hopes were dependent on its motions and many a struggling fish had he whipped out of the muddy waters with a shout of joy but he thought of those days now with the feelings of an old soldier who 
returning from the wars to his parents abode beholds the drum and pop-gun of his childhood he recalled the pleasures of the punt with patronizing kindliness and gazed majestically on the crag and glen and bright glancing stream while he pressed his foot upon the purple heath and put up his fishing-rod mr sudbury was in his element now the deep flush on his gladsome countenance indicated the turmoil of combined romance and delight which raged within his heaving chest and which he with difficulty prevented from breaking forth into an idiotic cheer he was alone as we have said he was purposely so he felt that as yet no member of his family could possibly sympathize with his feelings it was better that they should not witness emotions which they could not thoroughly understand moreover he wished to surprise them with the result of his prowess in regard to which his belief was unlimited he felt besides that it was better there should be no witness to the trifling failures which might be expected to occur in the first essay of one wholly unacquainted with the art of angling as practised in these remote glens the pool beside which mr sudbury stood was one which hector macdonald had pointed out as being one of the best in the river it lay at the tail of a rapid had an eddy in it and a rippling oily surface the banks were in places free from underwood and only a few small trees grew near them the shadow of the mountain which reared its rugged crest close to it usually darkened the surface but at the time we write of a glowing sun poured its rays into the deepest recesses of the pool a fact which filled mr sudbury in his ignorance with delight but which had he known better would have overwhelmed him with dismay in the present instance it happened that ignorance was bliss for as every fish in the pool was watching the angler with grave upturned eyes while he put up his rod and would as soon have attempted to swallow mr sudbury's hat as leap at his artificial flies it was well that he was not aware of the fact otherwise his joy of heart would have been turned into sorrow sooner than there was any occasion for musing on piscatorial scenes past present and to come mr sudbury passed the line through the rings of his rod with trembling and excited fingers while thus engaged he observed a break on the surface of the pool and a fish caused a number of rings to form on the water those floated toward him as if to invite him on mr sudbury was red-hot now with hope and expectation it was an enormous trout that had risen most trouts that are seen but not caught are enormous there is no pleasure without its alloy it could not be expected that the course of true sport any more than that of true love should run smooth mr sudbury's ruddy face suddenly turned pale when he discovered that he had forgotten his fishing book each pocket in his coat was slapped and plunged into with vehement haste while drops of cold perspiration stood on his forehead it was not to be found suddenly he recollected the basket at his back wrenching it open he found the book there and joy again suffused his visage selecting his best line and hooks 
as pointed out to him by hector mr sudbury let out a few yards of line and prepared for action remembering the advice and example of his friend he made his first cast ha not so bad the line fell rather closer to the bank on which he stood than was consistent with the vigor of the cast but never mind the next would be better the next was better the line went out to its full extent and came down on the water with such a splash that no trout in its senses would have looked at the place for an hour afterwards but mr sudbury was ignorant of this so he went on hopefully as yet the line was short so he let out a half a dozen yards boldly and allowed the stream to draw it straight then making a violent effort he succeeded in causing it to descend in a series of circles close to his feet this besides being unexpected was embarrassing determined to succeed he made another cast and caught the top branch of a small tree the existence of which he had forgotten there the hooks remained fixed a deep sigh broke from the excited man as he gazed ruefully up at the tree under a sudden and violent impulse he tried to pull the tackle forcibly away this would not do he tried again till the rod bent almost double and he was filled with amazement to find that the casting line though no thicker than a thread could stand such a pull still the hooks held on laying down his rod he wiped his forehead and sighed again but mr sudbury was not a man to be easily thwarted recalling the days of his boyhood he cast off his coat and nimbly shinned up the trunk of the tree in a few minutes he reached the top branch and seized it at that moment the bough on which he stood gave way and he fell to the ground with a terrible crash bringing the top branch with him gathering himself up he carefully manipulated his neck to ascertain whether or not it was broken he found that it was not but the line was so he sat down quietly on the bank and replaced it with a new one before mr sudbury left that spot on the bank beside the dark pool he had caught the tree four times and his hat twice but he had caught no trout they're not taking to-day that's it he muttered sadly to himself but come cheer up old fellow and try a new fly thus encouraged by himself mr sudbury selected a large blue fly with a black head red wings and a long yellow tail it was a gorgeous and he thought a tempting creature but the trout were evidently not of the same opinion for several hours the unfortunate piscator flogged the water in vain he became very hot during this prolonged exertion stumbled into several holes and wetted both legs up to the knees had his cap brushed off more than once by overhanging branches and entangled his line grievously while in the act of picking it up bruised his shins several times and in short got so much knocked about battered and worried that he began to feel in a state of mental and physical dishevelment still his countenance did not betray much of his feelings he found fishing more difficult in all respects than he had expected but what then was he going to give way to disgust at the first disappointment certainly not 
was he going to fail in perseverance now after having established a reputation for that quality during a long commercial life in the capital of england decidedly not was that energy that vigor that fervor of character for which he was noted to fail him here here in an uncivilized country where it was so much required after having been the means of raising him from a humble station to one of affluence after having enabled him to crush through all difficulties small or great as well as having caused him to sweep hecatombs of crockery to destruction with his coat-tails indubitably not glowing with such thoughts the dauntless man tightened his cap on his brow pressed his lips together with a firm smile frowned good-humouredly at fate and the water and continued his unflagging though not unflogging way so the hot sun beat down upon him until evening drew on apace and then the midges came out the torments which mr sudbury endured after this were positively awful and the struggles that he made in the bravery of his cheerful heart to bear up against them were worthy of a hero of romance his sufferings were all the more terrible and exasperating that at first they came in the shape of an effect without a cause the skin of his face and hands began to inflame and to itch beyond endurance to his great surprise for the midges were so exceedingly small and light that being deeply intent on his line he did not observe them he had heard of midges no doubt but never having seen them and being altogether engrossed in his occupation he never thought of them for a moment he only became aware of ever-increasing uneasiness and exhibited a tendency to rub the backs of his hands violently on his trousers and to polish his countenance with his cuffs it must be the effect of exposure to the sun he thought yes that was it of course that would go off soon and he would become case-hardened a regular mountaineer ha was that a trout yes that must have been one at last to be sure there were several stones and eddies near the spot where it rose but he knew the difference between the curl of an eddy now and the splash of a trout he would throw over the exact spot which was just a foot or two above a moss-covered stone that peeped out of the water he did so and caught it the stone not the trout and the hooks remained fixed in the slimy green moss mr sudbury scratched his head and felt inclined to stamp he even experienced a wild desire to cast his rod violently into the river and walk home with his hands in his pockets but he restrained himself pulling on the line somewhat recklessly the hook came away to his immense delight trailing a long thread of the green moss along with it mr sudbury now took to holding a muttered conversation with himself a practice which was by no means new to him and in the course of which he was wont to address himself in curiously disrespectful terms come come john my boy don't be cast down never say die hope ay hope told a flatter hallo was that a rise no it must have been another of these what can be the matter with your skin to-day john i don't believe it's the sun after all the sun never drove any one frantic 
never mind cheer up old cock that seems to be a very likely hole a beautiful beauty steady that was a good cast the best you've made today my buck try it again ha sus caught again as i'm a dutchman this is too bad really you know well you've come off easier than might have been expected now then softly what can be the matter with your face surely it cannot be mr sudbury's heart palpitated as he thought the measles oh impossible pooh pooh you had the measles when you were a baby of of course do you know john you're not quite sure of that fevers too occasionally come on with extreme dear me how hot it is and what a time you have been fishing you stupid fellow without a rise it must be getting late mr sudbury stopped with a startled look as he said this he glanced at the sun pulled out his watch gazed at it with unutterable surprise put it to his ear and groaned too late half past five dinner at five punctually oh mary mary won't i catch it tonight a cloud passed over the sun as he spoke being very susceptible to outward influences the gloom of the shadow descended on his spirits as well as his person and for the first time that day a look of deep dejection overspread his countenance suddenly there was a violent twitch at the end of the rod the reel spun round with a sharp whirr and every nerve in mr sudbury's system received an electric shock as he bent forward straddled his legs and made a desperate effort to fling the trout over his head the slender rod would not however permit of such treatment it bent double and the excited piscator was fain to wind up an operation which he performed so hastily that the line became entangled with the winch of the reel which brought it to a dead lock with a gasp of anxiety he flew down the rod and seizing the line with his hands hauled out a beautiful yellow trout of about a quarter of a pound in weight and five or six inches long to describe the joy of mr sudbury at this piece of good fortune were next to impossible sitting down on his fishing basket with the trout full in view he drew forth a small flask of sherry a slice of bread and a lump of cheese and proceeded then and there to regale himself he cared nothing now for the loss of his dinner no thought gave he to the anticipated scold from neglected mrs sudbury he gave full scope to his joy at the catching of this his first trout he looked up at the cloud that obscured the sun and forgave it little thinking innocent man that the said cloud had done him a good turn that day he smiled benignantly on water earth and sky he rubbed his face and when he did so he thought of the measles and laughed laughed heartily for by that time he had discovered the true cause of his misery and although we cannot venture to say that he forgave the midges sure we are that he was greatly mollified towards them does any ignorant or cynical reader deem such an extravagance of delight inconsistent with so trifling an occasion let him ponder before he ventures to exclaim ridiculous 
let him look round upon this busy whirling incomprehensible world and note how its laughing and weeping multitudes are oft-times tickled to uproarious merriment or whelmed in gloomy woe by the veriest trifles and then let him try to look with sympathy on mr sudbury and his first trout having carefully deposited the fish in his basket he once more resumed his rod and his expectations but if the petty annoyances that beset our friend in the forepart of that day may be styled harassing those with which he was overwhelmed towards evening may be called exasperating first of all he broke the top of his rod a misfortune which broke his heart entirely but recollecting suddenly that he had three spare top pieces in the butt his heart was cemented and bound up so to speak in a rough and ready manner next he stepped into a hole which turned out to be three feet deep so that he was instantly soaked up to the waist being extremely hot besides having grown quite reckless mr sudbury did not mind this it was pleasantly cooling he was cheered too at the moment by the reappearance of the sun which shone out as bright as ever warming his heart poor ignorant man and all unknown to him damaging his chance of catching any more fish at that time soon after this he came to a part of the river where it flowed through extremely rugged rocks and plunged over one or two precipices sending up clouds of gray mist and a dull roar which overawed him and depressed his spirits this latter effect was still further increased by the bruising of his shins and elbows which resulted from the rough nature of the ground he became quite expert now in hanking on bushes and disentangling the line and experienced a growing belief in the truth of the old saying that practice makes perfect he cast better he hanked oftener and he disentangled more easily than he had done at an earlier period of the day the midges too increased as evening advanced presently he came upon a picturesque portion of the stream where the waters warbled and curled in little easy-going rapids miniature falls and deep oily pools being an angler by nature though not by practice as yet he felt that there must be something there a row of natural stepping-stones ran out towards a splendid pool in which he felt assured that there must be a large trout perhaps a grill's he modestly forbade him to hint a salmon even to himself it is a very difficult thing as everyone knows to step from one stone to another in a river especially when the water flowing between runs swift and deep mr sudbury found it so in his effort to approach the pool in question which lay under the opposite bank he exhibited not a few of the postures of the rope dancer and the acrobat but he succeeded for mr sudbury was a man of indomitable pluck standing on a small stone carefully balanced and with his feet close together he made a beautiful cast it was gracefully done it was vigorously manfully done considering the difficulty of the position and the veracity of the midges and would have been undoubtedly successful but for the branch of a tree which grew on the opposite bank and overhung the stream 
this branch mr sudbury in his eagerness did not observe in casting he thrust the end of the rod violently into it the line twirled in dire confusion round the leaves and small boughs and the drag hook as if to taunt him hung down within a foot of his nose mr sudbury in despair made a desperate grasp at this and caught it more than that it caught him and sunk into his forefinger over the barb so that he could not get it out the rock on which he stood was too narrow to admit of much movement much less to permit of his resting the butt of his rod on it even if that had been practicable which it was not owing to the line being fast to the bow and the reel in a state of deadlock from some indescribable manoeuvre to which it had previously been subjected there he stood the very personification of despair but while standing there he revolved in his mind the best method of releasing his line without breaking it or further damaging his rod alas fortune in this instance did not favor the brave while he was looking up in rueful contemplation of the havoc above and then down at his pierced and captured finger his foot slipped and he fell with a heavy plunge into deep water that settled the question the whole of his tackle remained attached to the fatal bow excepting the hook in his finger with which and the remains of his fishing rod he floundered to the shore mr sudbury's first act on gaining the land was to look into his basket where to his great relief the trout was still reposing his next was to pick up his hat which was sailing in an eddy fifty yards down the stream then he squeezed the water out of the garments took down his rod with a heavy sigh strangely mingled with a triumphant smile and turned his steps home just as the sun began to dip behind the peaks of the distant hills to his surprise and relief mrs sudbury did not scold when about an hour later he entered the hall or porch of the white house with the deprecatory air of a dog that knows he has been misbehaving and with the general aspect of a drowned rat his wife had been terribly anxious about his non-arrival and the joy she felt on seeing him safe and well induced her to forget the scold oh john dear quick get off your clothes was her first exclamation as for jackie he uttered a cheer of delight and amazement at beholding his father in such a woeful plight and he spent the remainder of the evening in a state of impish triumph for had not his own father come home in the same wet and draggled condition as that in which he himself had presented himself to mrs brown earlier in the day and for which he had received a sound whipping hooray and with that the amiable child went off to inform his worthy nurse that papa was as bad a boy as himself badder in fact for he jacky had only been in the water up to the waist while papa had gone into it head and heels end of chapter five